All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to The Way It Is. I am your host, Luke Anelfato, with uh, Remax Service First Realty here in Kingston. And uh, we are on episode 24, which is, uh, hey, uh, hard to believe, but I'm glad we keep chugging along. And I'm uh, very pleased today to have as my guest, um, and again, uh, all of my podcasts being pandemic centric uh, are all timely, I think, but this one certainly uh, just as timely, if not even more so. I'm pleased to have the Executive Director of the Partners in Mission Food Bank with me, Mr. Dan Irwin. Welcome, Dan. Thank you, Luca. 24, congratulations, time flies. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I, I'm going to give the folks just a bit of a history about you, Dan, uh, because my uh, introduction to the food bank uh, was Sandy Singers, the, yes. your, your, uh, predecessor. And, Correct. uh, so, um, Dan is born and raised in Kingston and, uh, you, uh, did business marketing at St. Lawrence college and you had 20 plus years, a career basically in the insurance and claims and sales side of things in, in, in that part of the world. And, um, and now you uh, you've moved on to uh, to the food bank. You're married with a daughter and a son, and uh, you up until COVID, of course, were involved in their lives and their sports activities, coaching and doing all that wonderful stuff as a dad should. Uh, anyway, and so obviously looking forward to get back to that. So um, with that, I know when uh, when we had our previous conversations and we we're emailing back and forth. Um, you had mentioned and touched on that the food bank had been your, I guess, favorite charity or charity of choice. So maybe why don't we start with that and talk about that? Certainly. Yeah. So uh, the food bank's always been kind of my favorite charity. And then in 2011, uh, a position became available on the board of directors and, and someone who was involved with the organization at the time knew it was kind of my favorite charity and asked me if I wanted to be involved. So I, I joined with the board of directors in 2011 and then um, worked closely with Sandy for all those years. And then uh, when he announced his retirement, um, someone asked me why didn't I consider the role? And I I didn't think I could fill Sandy's shoes, and Sandy kept telling me they were only size nine. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, we had a Sandy and I had a long conversation, and I, I decided to throw my hat in the ring. And uh, here I am. Uh, it, it's a charity I'm very passionate about. Um, in my career as in insurance, and just like your career in real estate, you're, I'm sure you, you know what drives you is helping people. And that's really, you know, the, the key factor in it. So when you're helping people with the most basic need, it's it's really close to the heart, and it's really, um, it's really special. Yeah. So I, I went onto the website of the food bank, and um, even I was surprised at uh, when this thing became a thing. Yeah. Um, 1984, uh, it dates back to so. Tell us, I mean, obviously you weren't, you know, involved at that point in time, but it's got quite a chronology here uh, of history. So Yeah, it's really kind of, a, I guess you say a shock that we've been around that long. Um, in 1984, we were founded by a group of sisters from the religious hospitals of St. Joseph um, with the idea of helping a, in a down economy. Um, they truly expected to be around for a couple of years and be done. And June will be 37 years at this, and um, it just keeps growing. Uh, food insecurity wasn't a term in 1984. Um, it's something that's now, uh, you know, 
a term that everyone's using and hearing yeah. a lot of. The pandemic has really shone a light on food insecurity around the world and uh, highlighted that and how, um, you know, it, food's so important. It's, it's, we need it to not just to survive, but to thrive and, you know, for kids to learn in school and for, for people to be able to form, perform on their job. It's a, it's a necessity. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, so the, the thought that struck me 37 years for something that started as a, initially as a stopgap measure to, to solve a, uh, um, a blip and now you know the fact that it's still a need and and maybe even more so now today uh, a very larger need than it ever was before right in our community yeah it, it's uh i'm certain the sisters when they founded the food bank would not have guessed we would be at the level we're at um now we're doing about 60 hampers a day so you know we're talking 300 ish a week and uh, close to 1200 a month uh, we're going through 90 to 95000 pounds of food in a month so wow. uh, you know if you do your math that's something like 25 plus suvs that uh, as far as the food tonnage goes and uh, it's it's almost overwhelming but yeah. the, the thing that keeps us going is, and again, another thing I love about the food bank, it's neighbor helping neighbor. It's uh, the food bank doesn't have a big pot of money that we're, we're using and, you know, in perpetuity, uh, mm. we are relying on Kingstonians, Kingston businesses, groups and organizations and churches to provide food and funds so that we can build our food hampers and then provide those to our clients. So you obviously are obviously using metrics of, you know, tonnage and number of baskets. Um, you know, I'm sure some of the listeners, as I, I kind of curious, and I'm not sure if you can measure this, but what does that translate into number of families that, that access your service then, I guess? Yeah. So last year, um, in 2020, it was just a little over 3,000 households um, with a total of 5,700 plus people of which uh, under 18 um, were over 1,600. Mm. So uh, it's, we're pretty widespread around our community. Um, our, our area is uh, Loyalist Township in King city of Kingston. There's a food bank in Napanee and there's a food bank in Gananoque and South Frontenac. So we're, we're surrounded by little food banks as well. Um, and I, I don't mean to, sorry, that sounded like I was belittling them. They're, sm <laughs> they're smaller than us, but, but we're a bigger center. We're, we're Kingston. We're, you know, yeah. we're obviously more population. So therefore we have more people, therefore we have more need. And so we are a little larger. Um, we're actually affiliated with Feed Ontario, which is our Ontario Association and Food Banks Canada. And for those, we act as a hub. So what does that mean is we get large food donations in from them. Either, uh, you know, we get eggs once a month, we get meat regularly, we get dry, what we call dry goods. So that's your standard pantry items. Well, they come in by transport into our place. We keep a portion of those. And because the other food banks are a little too small to have, you know, larger deliveries, they come in and pick it up from us. Right. So that's how we kind of, we all work together in, in the food bank world and um, we need to, that's, that's the efficiencies of scale and everything. Yeah. So, you know, y y you mentioned 5,700 um, individuals out of those 3,000 families and, and 1,600 or so that's, that's 
just over 15% of that group are yes. people under the age of 18 years old, which is not insignificant and pretty staggering. Actually, that's pretty eye-opening, I would have to say, right? Yeah. So are they, are they coming from, and I, again, I not want to go too far off, off stream here, but uh, they're, they're all living independently. Are they all from, you know, I, I don't know. Do you get a sense of what, what, what that group is made up of? Yeah, so we, uh, we work with a system called link to feed which all Ontario uh, food banks use. link to feed helps us track and, um, and demonstrate our statistics. We use that to, um, to help promote food insecurity and the need within our communities and within Ontario. So when we are talking to governments or other large organizations or whatnot, we can talk not just about what I can talk about Kingston, but Ontario is able to take in the bigger picture and say, uh, this is what Ontario looks like. Um, it's important pe for people to realize there's not a common person who comes to the food bank, not a common family. Um, we do have a number of people who are regular, um, probably 250 to 300 people need our services every month. Mm -hmm. um, they tend to be kind of, I'll, I'll say stuck. We have some great uh, programs, social services programs in Ontario. You know, we've got Ontario Works, Ontario Disability Support Programs. These are all great programs, um, but they just haven't kept up to inflation. So people can't make ends meet and they need to come to us. So yeah. we're seeing a lot of those uh, clients are trapped in that. And to make ends meet, they need to come to us each month. Now, the other, uh, you know, three quarters of our clients are all over the map. Some of them are, you know, been laid off temporarily, whether it's a COVID layoff or a seasonal layoff, um, you know, or they, you know, maybe there's a marriage separation and, and, a, and a challenge with income and, and things like that and new expenses. You know, there'll be uh, you know, heat bills or hydro bills will be uh, pop up that somebody didn't expect. Uh, I don't know what the stat is, but I'm sure you see this too. There's many people that are, uh, you know, one or two paychecks from needing some assistance. And so being able to come see us to pick up a food hamper and a food hamper for us uh, we have a single for one person a small for two people and a large for three plus and uh, we're providing five to seven days of groceries and our hampers are your pantry items you know your pastas and rice and things like that and pasta sauce and then also we have fresh fruit and vegetables, as well as eggs, milk. And uh, for the last two years, we've had meat for almost every order. We have had a couple of days where we're short, but for the most part, we've got some great support in the community. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been able to provide that as well, anyone who wants it. That, that's uh, th that's great, actually, and and because I, I'm pretty sure when it started there was no fresh produce available. Uh, no, uh, you probably wouldn't even had the means to to acquire it or store it. Uh, I'm going to guess. So you're exactly um, right. Yeah, and in, yeah. in the early days, it was all about a non-perishable collection of goods and and then out. Um, right now, we um, last year we gave out about 2.6 million dollars worth of food. And um, we purchased about 170, 175,000 primarily fresh items is what that money was spent on. Well, my one of my previous podcasts, I was uh, uh, fortunate to have my daughter. She's a nutritionist, a uh, registered dietitian in Halifax. And, I saw uh, that actually. 
Oh, great, good. I thought it was one of the best ones I've done. She was brilliant, actually. Uh, way better than her dad. She should host her own podcast, I think. But, um, but you know, it, you know, it's it just so important for those that have means, but even more so for those that don't to get those basic food groups, right? That that like you said, and touching on just um, everyday nourishment that's required to function function properly right and uh i mean everyone's under a great deal of stress at varying degrees and i can only imagine when you uh, experiencing food insecurity and 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 um uh, housing insecurity and all the rest of it that's only compounded uh you know tenfold so yeah they put way too much head they they have to put way too much headspace or way too much effort into uh, you know where they're going to eat, how they're going to eat and how, Existing. you know, yeah. squeezing those pennies and, and things like that. Like that's just, um, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, that kind of stress and, and constant it's, it's just, it's so hard on them, you know, uh, hard on your body. And, and as, as you've talked and your, your daughter's talked about nutrition is so important and food is so important for your health. So, yeah. you know, it's really a, this is a really, it's a big health issue. Yeah, no, no. Um, so as far as um, those that want to use your services, yeah. um, is there, uh, can you, I mean, can you just show up? Is there any kind of screening that goes on or qualifications? Yeah. I, I I wouldn't know. I don't, I mean, obviously I, I've touched wood. I've never been in a situation to, to have to use it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, what, what, what happens? That's a great question, Luca. And, and we aren't the food police. So when you talk about screening and whatnot, we ask you to call, uh, and it's 613-544-4100. Uh, we're going to set up an appointment. Um, on the phone, we're going to do some questions. And it's really about um, who you are, where you are, uh, food allergies. And food allergies is a big issue um, that we need to make sure. We don't want to give someone you know, food that's going to harm someone within the household. So we want to know who's in the household, um, any food allergies. Uh, we'll ask some statistics questions so just to help us uh, and help reporting they have anyone has the right to refuse to provide the information uh, we'll still provide food uh, we really encourage them to answer our questions so that we can report properly and uh, you know get a better picture of what's going on within our community and so call we set up an appointment then uh either that day or the next day you're probably going to make it down and for your food and like i said we're going to hand out some um materials that explain what we do as well as we always provide a list of the food services that's also available in town the meal providers and things of that nature so that uh, there's other options and uh, help out that way and then off you go with your food and we can come, we can have our clients come once a month. And, and so if they need us next month, call us again. We do encourage our clients, don't wait until the cupboards are empty. Um, certain times of the year, we get really busy. Yeah. And we can, because we need to build our orders in advance, we can't just have a warehouse full of orders, unfortunately. We just don't have the space. So we, we ask for an appointment and when we get really busy, those appointment dates can get stretched out to multiple days. So we ask that, you know, don't call us when your cupboards are empty. If you think you're going to struggle next week, call us today. Right. Because I'm, uh, you know, I can only presume 
um, that, um, I mean, I would have to imagine there's a great deal of uh, shame or stigma attached to someone wanting to make that phone call and that it's got to be extremely difficult to be in that situation, right? To, or to be confronted with that situation and to feel um, that you that you have to avail yourself of, of that resource, right? Yeah, I, I would say you're right. And um, it's probably links back to having to ask for help. Most people don't want to ask for help for anything. You know, whether it's, you know, lifting something under your basement, you'll try it on your own rather than call your neighbor to give you a hand and stuff like that. So that's kind of where it comes from, I believe. Um, I'm hoping that the pandemic and, you know, uh, CNN, when you see these massive lines, um, you know, in Texas and whatnot, when you've got like two lane highways full of cars waiting for hours, fortunately, we haven't had that kind of issue in, in Canada. Um, so I'm hopeful that people see on TV, you know what, there's, uh, there's many people that need help um, and that they'll reach out and ask for that help. Well, and, and you know, I'm certainly not here to, to preach or tell people what to do or how to do it or anything, but you know, the, the, the facts remain, you, you've been in operation now for 37 years. There is a need, there's a continued need. Um, and those that should, uh, that need it should, should take advantage of it. Right. I mean, uh, that, that's why you're there. So, uh, easier said than done. I can only, I can only imagine, um, all, of course, all of this, can't help work without uh, people helping uh, staff vis-a-vis uh, -vis, you must have either staff paid staff and then you must have literally an army of volunteers uh, helping. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's six of us paid staff and um, without our 60 plus volunteers, we just can't do it. Um, you know, we, we, as far as staff are, you know, responsible for the management and, you know, the managing of funds and finances, our, our staff book appointments for our clients and uh, our staff drive the truck to go around town to pick up food and organize a warehouse. Our volunteers sort the food, build the hampers, help give them out um, without an army of volunteers, like probably every organization in town, we just couldn't do it. I couldn't imagine how many paid staff we'd have to have mm. to be able to do what our volunteers are doing uh, for us for free. Um, it's a volunteer appreciation week was a week or two ago. And, and that's, uh, you know, thank you is never enough for our volunteers. Um, but I, I know they're in it like we are. They're in it because it's close to the heart. And, and uh, we do really appreciate them. And we're happy that they can, uh, they can come and be a part of the community and, and by helping others. And so it's, it's a huge um, need for volunteers in the community always. We're very lucky in that we often have a waiting list. Um, Wow, that's good. Yeah. Which is wonderful. COVID is really unique in that there's more people that have time, but yet we need more space. So we can only bring in so many people at a time. So we, we've changed to add extra shifts. So we, we used to build our hampers in the morning and give them out in the afternoon. Now we build hampers basically all day long with different shifts. So that, uh, we can... and that, that was my other question too, is COVID, you obviously, uh, I hate this word, but you had to pivot. So what, what protocols <laughs> or what did you have to implement to, to now continue operating safely and uh, not only for your volunteers, your staff, but those that come in and receive the service? 
Yeah, we did so much pivoting in the first couple of weeks. I think we got dizzy. We just kept turning <laughs> around and around. Um, so what we've we've done a lot. Um, at the be- I can't remember all the changes we did at the beginning, but what we've for the last year, for the first time ever, we received government funding. Every food bank in Canada receives it. A huge benefit for us. Um, we, in order to keep our, our clients safe and our volunteers and staff safe, we closed our building to clients. So that meant we moved pickup into our parking lot. Uh, works great for a couple of months of the year, but the rest of the time is either too hot or too cold or too wet or too snowy. Yeah. Um, so what we've done is we use the government money to put uh, pickup windows. So they're kind of like a drive-through window, but you walk up to. Uh, so we've got two of those in our pickup zone, and uh, that enables us to move fairly quickly. Uh, we changed our front where you check in. Our window opens from the top now to give our our staff and uh, a bit of a protection there, like a it's glass instead of plexiglass. So yeah. that's helped that. Um, we never had a budget for masks. Um, we never had a budget for sanitizing because we used to get we get donations of of sanitizers already. We all we were buying gloves, so we just upped the number of gloves we had to buy. So all of these extra costs. It's been wonderful that we had that government funding to pick up um, those kind of heavy pieces. Now, Kingston, I have to say a huge thank you to Kingston because they too stepped up in COVID. Um, last year was a record year for food donations and a record year for monetary donations. Wow. It, it's wonderful. Again, this this community is in such a tremendous supporter to us. And we've had... Um, had the good fortune of that uh, we have a fairly strong name in the community so i think our you know people know we're here and they come to us for help and and again i'm always concerned there's people that don't know we're out there so I, i'm hopeful things like this help the word get around and uh, we've always been well supported with donations again food and money it, it's it's wonderful um when people ask me what's the best way to donate um I say the safest way in a pandemic is online, kingstonfoodbank.ca. Donate now is in the upper right-hand corner. Um, donate whatever you wish. Um, we go out and we buy food by the pallet. So, you know, when we need peanut butter, we buy a pallet of peanut butter. Right. Uh, for those who wonder what a pallet is, it's four feet wide, four feet deep, and four feet high, usually. Yeah. So, um I, it's a lot of peanut butter. It's a lot of peanut butter. Yeah, yeah. We tend to get a little bit better pricing than what you can get when you walk in to buy one, two, or three if you're, you know, got a big family. Uh, so it, it's uh, the best way is money, but some people prefer to donate food. And I, I've met families who've taken their kids through the grocery store and they've shopped for the food bank. And so I appreciate that lesson you need to teach your kids yeah. and uh, showing the healthy food that you can donate. And, and so any donation we appreciate. Uh, a change we did in COVID is we have a contactless donation bin at our uh, back door. So if someone wanted to come down to 140 Hickson, pull around back Monday to Friday, uh, 830 to 4, and there's a bin there and it's signed. It says, please leave your donation here. So they can do that. We are in... I've lost track. 12 or 14 grocery stores in town where you'll see Partners Mission Food Bank right. bins. So you can purchase groceries right at the store and, and pop them in the bin. And we come by those and pick those up on a regular basis. 
Yeah, that, and that's that's great. And and you know, I applaud those families that do that because I you're right. It's 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 a valuable lesson, and I I, I think it speaks to you know, it, it's actually kind of heartwarming and refreshing to hear that kind of a story because we do live in a world now where it's all click, click, click and, and screen time and, and uh, devices and faces and devices and hands on devices. So to, there's less effort and less, I guess, intention, uh, if you will, than, than making the physical effort of having to go and, and, um, and, 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 you know, pick these items up and then drop them off or, or, or leave them in the bin there. Yeah. yeah. It, it, like I said, it, it's, it's interesting whenever I, I, you know, I've been executive director for two years now since Andy retired. And, um, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that story where I've met, you know, mom or dad or mom and dad and the kids, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a family kind of thing and they've done it to uh, as a learning lesson. And, and it's just, it's wonderful to see. And, um, you know, it, it's nice to, to experience. Like it, it's really, again, it's, the great part of the, about this job is seeing all those, you know, the, the acts of kindness within the city. Yeah. Now, the food bank, um, you're not under any auspices of any other larger organization like the United Way or anything like that. You're an entity in and of yourself, correct? Yeah, exactly. We are a standalone uh, organization, a not-for-profit organization, registered charity. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are associated with Feed Ontario and Food Banks Canada. Uh, what that means is that we, you know, during the pandemic, we had weekly phone calls with the Feed Ontario, and we were able to get information um, from other areas and from higher levels of government, which was wonderful. And it helped us to try and figure out how all these pivot, all these pivots we did. Um, yeah. It was it was really a great help to have. Uh, the associations help us that way. They donate food, but there's um, on okay, like Food Banks Canada during COVID did their $150 million campaign where they're trying to raise $150 million for food banks. So there's some money that flowed through those fundraising efforts. Um, so that's how they support us, but we are independent and uh, on our own kind of thing. Uh, I mentioned earlier about the hub that we act as uh, for Food Banks Canada and Feed Ontario. We also act as a, a hub in a second way in that we share any extra food we have with people like St. Vinny's, Lunch by George, Martha's Table, and Lionheart's. We, we yeah. uh, you know, when we have items that we can't uh, handle, uh, you know, sometimes we get large donations and fresh stuff and we need to get through it in a hurry to make sure it stays fresh. Uh, we share it with others. And uh, that's something I think that many don't realize in Kingston, there's a lot of collaboration within the not-for-profit and particularly, you know, the food insecure groups. And um, uh, my understanding is that's kind of unique to Kingston, which is, is, uh, uh, I think something Kingston needs to be proud of. I mean, you and I have been here our whole lives and yeah. we know we love Kingston and we can name some things, reasons why, but there's a lot of the times you can't put your finger on what you love about the, about the city. And I think that's something that the city and the organization, you know, Kingstonians don't realize what's going on behind the scenes and all the yeah. work that's happening to make the donor dollars go as far as possible. So that, that's, I think, a really important thing for everyone to know. Well, I'm glad you touched on that. That, that I, I, I'm one of those in that camp that wouldn't have known that. And and the fact that you speak to it, obviously begs the question that obviously in other centers this collaboration doesn't exist, which is kind of not a good thing to think about either. And and why that happens, but um, 
but hey, yeah, kudos to Kingston for sure. And, and, and yeah, I, as you said, why it doesn't happen, I don't know. Um, but uh, great for Kingston, and uh, it's again just a wonderful, um, n- another wonderful reason why to love Kingston. Well, and, and we'll segue into the, this f- unbelievable, heartwarming story when it's on your website and part of your chronology that you bought the building you're in now on Hickson Avenue, uh, 2007, I want to say. I don't have it here in my... I think it's a little earlier than that, but you're, you're pretty close. It's early, yeah, 2006. Yeah, five, five, yeah, I, yeah. And, but then you had uh, someone just um, bequest and pay off your mortgage. Tell, tell us about that story. Yeah, yeah that's uh, uh, May Bowles um, was apparently a big fan of ours, which, uh, to be honest, she hadn't made donations to us we didn't that we knew of anyway um, before her passing. And when she passed away, she left a, a chunk of her estate to us, which enabled us to pay off the mortgage. So we've been mortgage-free since then. And um, the stress that takes off uh, uh, I think you would know this right how many people are trying to be mortgage free and I, I know it you know it's something I was always always been striving for at home and um, waiting for that day kind of thing so for us to not have a mortgage and and you know large warehouses are kind of expensive to maintain with your heat and your hydro and, and the maintenance pieces that happen with every building um, but it's wonderful not to have a mortgage to pay um, so we've got this wonderful asset that um, should we ever need to grow um, we've got it for our um, you know our basis and, and go from there so yeah, no, it's absolutely wonderful what she did and um, was a complete shock and surprise yeah, no, that's it's a, a truly an amazing story. It really is. I mean, like you said, now you've got an asset that's you can d- do whatever you want with it. You can leverage it. You can dispose it if you had to. You can add on to it. Whatever you need to do. I mean, it's just it's a, that's fantastic. Just a fantastic story. So I, I, I'm going to say that um, you know, and you're doing. I'm sure you're doing a great job, but. I'm going to say that you hope that sometimes there's families you just don't want to see their faces come to your door anymore, right? I mean, isn't that the goal, obviously? I mean, yeah, the goal is we are no longer here. I'm yeah. uh, I'm unemployed and I'm going back to look for an insurance job. Or I'm call, <laughs> calling you up and saying, hey, Luca, do you need somebody to uh, help you? Uh, that'd be great. That'd be great to, uh, to do that. Um, I'm hopeful for that. Uh, I, I'm not sure if i'm going to see it in my career Um, there's lots of talk uh sir one of the great things about serb last year the the, um, canadian emergency response benefit is it was a huge savior to food banks Uh, we peaked in march in the low 70s so that's you know we're up 10 hampers a day from what we normally average uh which honestly we were getting to the point where we were like okay how can we maintain this how are we going to keep this up and then serb hit in april and then and it just took the pressure away and um people were able to you know collect serb and go out and uh buy their own groceries so it kind of showed that a basic income could work um which i know many people are, are wondering how it would work and and financially how it works i'm not smart enough to explain that to you mm. i just know that i saw it work in serb and um so if a basic income were to were to happen 
we could see we would see our demand reduce. Would it be completely gone? Ideally, yes, but I'm not sure because there's always going to be challenges and uh, um, life is expensive. As you know, yeah. mortgage payments, rent payments, food, it's, it's expensive to live in Canada. Well, and, and, and sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, Dan, but, um, you know, uh, the, the pandemic has, uh, you know, the, the curtain's been pulled back, but, uh, you know, the wizard is exposed and, and there's a lot of ugly things behind the curtain now. And it's really exacerbated, you know, all of these disparities in, in every level of, of society, of the economy, of governments, of, of everything. And, you know, that, that's, that's, that's a series of podcasts, a living wage, um, you know, and I know when you say that there's some that would, uh, would want to, uh, argue, you know, till they're blue in the face against it and, and, and be vehemently opposed. I'm not disagreeing with you. And, and the fact that you saw the direct correlation between a sustainable wage or sustainable income and the, the fact that your resources, um, weren't as test, you know, weren't as uh, pressured to, because of that, that's real life. Exp- that's that happens, right? That there was a, there was a reason of that. They didn't all of a sudden get there. Now, did they go through drive-throughs and McDonald's? Yeah, pro- maybe, whatever. But still, even still, it took the pressure off the food bank to pl- supply meals to, to and, and and to supply it to those that maybe are very very needing of it. Right? I mean, obviously, there's varying degrees of of need as well. But um, yeah, no, that's a conversation for another day. But yeah, it, it's uh, it, it was interesting to see it in action essentially. Um, so Serb ended up being this. I'd hate to call it an experiment, but it it's it's definitely data that's available to look at and review, and um, it worked. Yeah. And uh, when you look at, so Serb was giving people two thousand dollars a month um, up here, started in April, ran through to October, and then had some adjustments and changes. Um, the U.S took six months to get $600 one time approved <laughs> and then took another change of government and another six plus months to have another 1400 So in the time of the pandemic, you know, roughly a year, they got a $2,000 payment in the U.S. And yeah. in Canada, they had $2,000 payment for, if they needed it, for April, May, June, July, August, September, and October. Yeah. Um, just shows you, you know, again, another reason to be proud to be Canadian and uh, the support we want to give those who need it. Um, it, It's it's important. Yeah. Well, um, I won't, uh, I just noticed the time we're, we're getting on, we're having a good conversation. I I could do this for a while longer, but um, what I'll do though, is I I think maybe um, in closing, I'll I'll just, uh, A, I want to thank you again, but if you had um, sort of one last message or one thing that you would want to say to the listeners or say to Kingston, what I'll leave it with you to have that. Thanks. I, I think two things. One, if you need help, ask for it. Two, um, we're here and we have been. If you have the means to donate to us, great. Uh, and sorry, this is three. A huge thank you to Kingston for the support over 37 years. Um, it's truly humbling and um, makes me proud to be part of Kingston. And thank you, Luca, for allowing me to come talk to you. 
Well, Dan, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm pleased. I'm, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity. And, uh, you know, um, I hope we don't have a food bank in 37 years in Kingston, right? I mean, that, that would be a tremendous accomplishment. And, um, and uh, I hope, uh, you know, I uh, wish you all success and, uh, and continued success. And, and anyone listening, um, if you need it, it's there. And uh, we'll leave it at that. Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks, David. Take, take care. Stay safe. Okay, you too. All right. Bye.